The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. This last couple of weeks uh, in the news, there's been all kinds of things that we've been hearing from around the world of people who are in a lot of pain and struggling under a lot of burden. Uh, we've been hearing uh, about what's been happening in Afghanistan. We've been hearing about what's been happening in Haiti. And um, these are all people that God loves and that God made. And we want to take some time this morning to pray for them. Uh, let's, let's pray together. Father, even as we, we gather here in this place, even as we're gathered online, even as we are joining together as church family, we recognize that there are many, many people in this very moment, in real time, who are uh, undergoing tremendously, tremendously difficult circumstances and, and deep, deep loss. And so we pray, first of all, Lord, for the country of Afghanistan as there's been such an abrupt change of power. And with that, there has been a lot of turmoil and now a lot of questions. And God, I just pray, I pray that you would, you would bring about a ceasefire if that could be your will, I pray that you would protect the people that are there. And I pray, God, that you'd give wisdom to, to the governments around, uh, including us, uh, just how to be of a support and what to do. It, it seems like a very, very uh, confusing situation. And so, God, we just pray, please, that you would, you would have your way. Um, and we recognize that in that country, that the percentage of Christians is very small, Lord, but we also know that we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are there. And I don't know what this change means for them in terms of what they fear today, but I know that there's a lot riding on this for them. And I pray for them, I pray for their protection, but I also mostly pray that you would give them wisdom in the places that they are, even in the small corners that they're from, and that you would give them wisdom how to be salt and light in a situation where everybody is, is in turmoil. And God, we pray also for Haiti. As many have lost loved ones, many have lost everything. And I pray that you'd give comfort to those who need. I pray that you would, by your grace and mercy, that you would give supplies and provision for those who need. I pray for safety for those who are responding in search and rescue efforts. I pray that you would give, give, uh, give safety to them. And I pray for hope. For all the families who are hurting, I pray that you'd give them hope, that you would, just like we heard from Adiv when he heard, when he heard you drawing you to him, and he didn't even know yet what that was or whose voice it was, Lord, we recognize that in every circumstance, in every corner of this planet, that you are still sovereign, and you can still act in every way that you choose, and I pray that you would make yourself known to people who need to know you, who need to know hope right now, that they could find hope and peace in your son in the midst of a place where it feels there is not hope and peace. God, I thank you that you love all, and we do trust that you are in control of everything, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to hear the scripture read this morning on video. Uh, maybe you've heard of these people before. Uh, Terry and Pat Jank uh, are going to be reading the scripture for us today. Good morning, everyone. Uh, 
We have had a really great week, lots of connections with people at the church, but a highlight for me was being able to celebrate the baptism of Adib. And um, just wonderful to hear more about his story and just to see how God has been working in his life. And it's a real joy to be a part of a community where we can share our faith together. Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 1. And uh, we're going to begin in verse 26, and we're going to read all the way to verse 55. And um, it's all about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and her, uh, just how she exalts the mercy of God. And I'm looking forward to what Barb Brewer is going to share on this passage this morning. Uh, we've asked her to share from this. So beginning in Luke 1 and verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. And Mary said to this angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month which her, with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now all generations will call me blessed. For he is mighty and has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, 
to Abraham and to his offspring forever. May the Lord bless his word to us. Good morning. So, before we start, I just want to introduce myself to those of you who don't know me. As Pastor Terry said, my name is Barb Brewer, and I'm a wife. I'm the mother of three grown children. I'm a mother-in-law. I'm a grandmother to two beautiful grandsons. And I've been a teacher for nearly 40 years, mostly math, mostly science. And I've led precept Bible studies for nearly 15 years. But more than all of those things, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I love the Lord Jesus, and I love to study his word. When Pastor Terry asked me if I would share with you this morning about Mary's prayer, I was humbled. I was terrified. This is way outside my comfort zone. But that's when we depend on God the most. And ultimately, I have been incredibly blessed as I've delved into and meditated on this passage of scripture and this, all the, the scriptures um, related to this passage. So before we get, dive into this passage, let's just take a moment and pray. Father God, I just wanna thank you. I thank you that we can meet together, both in this place and online. God, I thank you that we can study your word and that you tell us that your word is truth. God, I just ask your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. And God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would guide the words that come from my heart, the words that come from my mouth, and that everything this morning will bring you glory and honor. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a question. What do you do when you encounter unexpected circumstances? 11 years ago, I was living in a suburb of Chicago with my husband and my three children. I had grown up in that area. We had lived in that area, well, within several miles of where we were living, really our whole married life. Um, most of our extended family lived between 10 minutes and two hours away, away from our home. And um, many of the friends that we'd raised our children with had known for years and years, lived close by. I'd been the director of children's ministries at our church for over eight years. It was a church that I'd grown up in, I'd been a part of for nearly 50 years. Being the director of children's ministries was a job that I was passionate about. It was something I dearly loved. I'd, been, I'd had my tutoring business. I had students that I'd tutored for years. I pictured our future. Our kids would be grown, and we would grow old together in that house. Our children, our grandchildren would come for visits. I thought I knew what lay ahead. But one evening, my husband Wayne, who's an architect, came home, and he told me that he had an opportunity to interview for a new job. Oh, well, that's great. I assumed it was with another Chicago firm, and when I asked him where, he replied, 
Winnipeg. Winnipeg? Yes, Winnipeg. Where's Winnipeg? <laughs> and he told me, well, it's in Manitoba. The United States and Canada share a continent, but the United States does not teach Canadian geography. So please forgive my response. Where's Manitoba? <laughs> when he told me it was in Canada, and yes, I knew where Canada was. <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. That was not what I pictured. To be honest, at that moment, I did not rejoice. I did not worship the Lord. I did not have the same response to my unexpected circumstances that Mary had. Mary was a young teenage girl who thought she knew what her future held. She was betrothed, she was engaged to a carpenter named Joseph. When her betrothal time was complete, she would marry Joseph and she would become a wife and mother, just like all the other girls her age. Well. Those were her expectations. But in Luke 1, we read about a visit from the angel Gabriel, which changed everything. In Luke 1, verses 26 to 38, we read a passage that's so often quoted at Christmas time about the angel Gabriel sent from God to Nazareth, to Mary, with the message that she had found favor with God and that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and that she, a virgin, would conceive and become the mother of Jesus. Jesus, son of the most high, the one that the Lord God would give the throne of his father David. He would reign over the house of Israel forever and of his kingdom would be no end. This holy child would be the son of God, the Messiah. The road would not be easy because she was not yet married but she was going to be pregnant. How would she explain this to her parents? Joseph. She would be scorned and rejected by those around her. But her humble response was, behold, the Lord's bondservant, may it be done to me according to your word. And at that point, she quickly departed to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was advanced in age and also miraculously pregnant with baby John the Baptist, and as Elizabeth greeted her, baby John, baby John the Baptist leapt in her womb, and she pronounced, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And now we come to Mary's response. Mary's song, really it's Mary's psalm of praise. Sometimes it's called the Magnificat. Magnificat anima mea dominum. That's all the Latin I know. But the reason is, in verse 46, Mary's prayer begins with, my soul exalts or magnifies the Lord. Magnifies. In Greek, that's megaluno. That means to declare great, to glorify, to magnify, to esteem highly, to laud, to celebrate. 
If you recall, in Hannah's prayer, Janet Lalden shared a few weeks ago, 1 Samuel 2, 1 also begins with, my heart exalts or rejoices in the Lord. You see, Mary and Hannah were women who knew God. They knew of his goodness and his character, and they worshiped God for who he is. They knew God's word, and they loved God. And just as Hannah delighted in God's deliverance, Mary rejoiced in God her Savior. Both of these women rejoiced in their salvation or their deliverance by God. And even as Mary refers to God her Savior, in her womb was baby Jesus, the Savior, the deliverer of the world. And of all who come to him in faith, he was the promised Messiah. So as we begin to look more deeply at Mary's prayer, do you, notice, do you notice anything different about her prayer than some of the other prayers we've looked at through this series? This prayer is a prayer totally of praise and worship. Her entire prayer is focused on God and worshiping God who he is. And it's filled with multiple references from Old Testament scripture. There are really three areas of worship in Mary's prayer. First, she worships God for what he had done for her. Second, she worships God for his holiness and his mercy. And then finally, she worships God for who he is and for what he has done. So, she, she first praises God for what he had done for her. Mary's total focus was God and what he had done for her. In verses 49 and 50, excuse me, 48 and 49, it says, he has had regard for the humble state of his bondservant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. She was worshiping God and what he had done she was pointing all the focus and all the glory on God. And she was not saying that she would be called blessed because of who she was or anything that she had done. I mean, she would be called blessed because of what God had done through her. She was a young girl from Nazareth. Nazareth, a poor small town in Israel. John 1.46 references Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? But through a humble young girl from Nazareth, God was about to change the world. Question, do you, do I, come to God in prayer, in worship, with a spirit of humility, knowing who we are and knowing who he is? The second part of Mary's prayer focuses on her praise for God's holiness and her praise for his mercy. In verse 49, it says, holy is his name. Think about it. God's name is holy. His name is holy. In the Psalms, we read in Psalm 111, verse 9, he, God, provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever Holy and awesome is his name. 
In Isaiah, we read, for this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. And in Exodus, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the third commandment says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain, because the name of God is holy, and his name is holy just as he is holy. Again in the Psalms, God says, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Or Hannah. Hannah prayed in 1 Samuel 2, verse 2, there was no one holy like the Lord. There was no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. In Isaiah, it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And in the book of Revelation, which we will be studying in precept this fall, one of my favorite verses is found in Revelation 4, 8. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God is holy. God is holy and his name is holy. But in verse 50, Mary also praises God for his mercy. God is merciful generation after generation to those who fear him. To whom? To those who fear him. Now, fear, the word phobeo, doesn't necessarily mean fear, trembling. It means to revere. It means to be in reverential awe of. And David often spoke of the fear or reverence of the Lord in the Psalms. For example, in Psalm 85, surely his salvation is near those who fear or revere him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Or in Psalm 103, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And Mary quoted Psalm 103 when she said, but the loving kindness or mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to, on those who fear him. So mercy, what exactly is mercy? A couple of definitions I found over the past couple of weeks define mercy as the compassion and kindness shown to someone whom is in one's power to punish or harm. Let me say that again. It's the compassion and kindness to someone whom it is in one's power to punish or harm. Or it is a love that responds to human need in an unexpected or unmerited way a love that responds to human need in an unexpected or unmerited way. Exodus says that the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And just last week, Pastor Terry taught us about God's mercy in the book of Jonah. God is merciful, and we so see God's mercy so often expressed in the New Testament. If you look in 1 Peter, verse, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of God's great mercy through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we are born again to a living hope. Wasn't that the testimony this morning with the baptism? God's great mercy, born again to a living hope. And John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Or in Romans, Romans 5.8, it says, but God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not something we did. We were still sinners, but God in his mercy sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. What mercy. And Titus 3.5 says he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. God is a merciful God, generation after generation, today and tomorrow, as he's always been. Through Mary, he sent his own son to earth to die on a cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven and look forward to spending eternity with him. What incredible mercy. What incredible mercy. The third part of Mary's prayer focuses on what God, or who God is, and what he has done. In 10 verses, the 10 verses of her prayer, there are eight statements where she talks about what he has done. He has had regard for the humble state of his bondservant. He has done mighty things with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty-handed, and he has given his help to his servant Israel. Like Hannah, Mary knew God's word, and she knew his faithfulness, and she's praising God for who he is. She's praising God because he has done mighty deeds with his arm. She's praising God for his power and his omnipotence. In the psalm, we read, Oh, oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right arm and his, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. God is powerful and omnipotent. She praises him because he scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their hearts. She praises him for humbling the proud. And we know that God hates pride. In Jeremiah, God tells us, Behold, I am against you, O proud one declares the Lord of God of hosts, for your day has come, the day when I will punish you. And in James, God says that he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. She praises God because he has brought down rulers from their thrones. She's praising him for his sovereignty over all the kings and all the rulers on this earth. Over the past few weeks, as we've studied these different prayers, Pastor Doug talked about God's sovereignty over the, the Assyrian king, Sennacherib, when we studied the prayer of King Hezekiah. Uh, in the book of Daniel, Pastor Terry taught us about God's sovereignty over mighty King Nebuchadnezzar or King Belshazzar. And in one night, the kingdom of Babylon was not only removed from Belshazzar, but was removed by the Medes and the Persians. Proverbs 21.1 1 
says the hearts the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and like rivers of water he turns it wherever he wishes because God is sovereign God is sovereign over all kings and all rulers and in the book of Revelation it says that when Jesus comes on his robe and on his thigh are written king of kings and lord of lords because God is sovereign sovereign over all kings and all rulers and with God's sovereignty we have nothing to fear because God is sovereign we see her also praising God for his lifting up the humble in James 4:10 we read humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he Will lift you up or in Matthew it says for those who exalt themselves will be humbled but those who humble themselves will be exalted because it's God who does the exalting and she praises him because he has filled the hungry with good things he fills them with good things both physically and spiritually when Mary prayed this, she was quoting Psalm 107.9, for he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things, physically. But we also know from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be filled. And Mary praises God for faithfully being a help and a protector to Israel. The Old Testament is filled with examples of God's help of Israel throughout the Bible we see our covenant God time and time again watching over and protecting his people and Mary knew of God's faithfulness to his people one of my dad's favorite sayings was the way to remember is not to forget makes sense the way to remember is not to forget well, time and time again in the Old Testament, God tells his people to remember. Remember what he has done for them and to not forget. They're to faithfully tell their children and faithfully tell their children's children about God, about his faithfulness, about the many things he has done for his people. But we too are called to remember God's faithfulness in our lives. We're to give testimony to it. We are to praise him for it. Remembering God's faithfulness while we're going through the good times reminds us of his goodness. It reminds us that all of our blessings come from him. It helps us to remember to rely on him and not ourselves lest we become proud. But remembering God's faithfulness and praising him for it in the tough times helps us to keep our focus on our faithful and unchanging God rather than on our struggles. Question, how often do we ponder or worship God for the things that he has done in our lives? Have you seen God's faithfulness to you, to your family? Do you talk about these times? Do you remember them? Do you pass these stories on to your family, to your children, your children's children, or people in your conversations, faithfully giving testimony and praise to God. And the Bible is full of God's promises. What are some of God's promises that you can praise him for? You know, so often when we pray, we come to God with our requests, and that's a good thing. I and mean, God actually commands us to do that 
In Philippians 4, 6, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Or in 1 Peter 5, 7, he tells us, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And during the year when our life group meets each week, we share our prayer requests and we share our praises with each other. We make a prayer list so we can lift each other up in prayer throughout the week. And we come together and we pray with each other and for each other, and it's incredible blessing to each of us. But Mary's prayer is a prayer solely of praise and worship. She's praising God and she's adoring him for his holiness, his mercy, his might, his faithfulness, and for being blessed to be chosen to be used by him. Question. How often do we come to God simply to worship and adore him? To praise him for who he is and for what he has done. To thank him for his faithfulness. Have you ever meditated on the names of God in the Bible? Part of her prayer said God's name is holy. And God's names in the Bible describe who he is, and they describe his character, and they describe things that we can praise him for. In the Old Testament, and please forgive my Hebrew is not <laughs> particularly good, but El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, El Elyon, the Most High God, Adonai, Lord, Master, Yahweh, Lord, Jehovah, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals, Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there, Jehovah Tiskenu, the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Megadishkem, the Lord who sanctifies you, El Olam, the everlasting God, Elohim, God, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. El Roy, the God who sees me. El Sali, God of my strength. Kana, jealous God. Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, I am. Or in the New Testament, Almighty One, Alpha and Omega, author and perfecter of our faith, bread of life, beloved Son of God, bridegroom, chief cornerstone, faithful and true, good shepherd, great high priest, I am, Emmanuel, God with us, judge, king of kings, lamb of God, light of the world, Lion of the tribe of Judah, Lord of all, Lord of lords, mediator, Messiah, mighty one, our hope, prince of peace, redeemer, risen Lord, rock, savior, son of the most high, the door, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, the word, true vine, victorious one. We can worship God as we meditate on his names in the Bible. 
and as we meditate on who he is. As I look back now, I can see so many of God's blessings in his moving us to Winnipeg. His faithfulness, his mercies, his loving kindnesses, they're too numerous to mention. He brought us to White Ridge Baptist Church. He gave us a Canadian family, as our family is so far away. I have so much to praise God for each and every day, and my prayer life needs to reflect my adoration, my thankfulness, praise, and worship of God for who he is. And may my prayers help me to keep my eyes off the unexpected struggles in my life and instead stay focused on God in worship and in adoration. And if you would join us, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your goodness to us. We've just seen all of these names in Scripture of who you are and what that means about your character. And all of those things are true and endlessly unchanging. And we thank you that we can count on you as our rock, as our refuge, as the one who is holy and merciful, as the one who has done all of these things in giving us what we have in this world, but also all of these things in us where you are changing us to be more like Christ. We give you all of the praise for that. We thank you, Lord, for meeting us here today. And we, I pray that you would just be with us as we go into our day from here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful day. Amen.